Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, if our readings for today don't make you a bit uncomfortable, you probably haven't been paying attention. Practically every detail of each of our readings is profoundly countercultural. The first reading has to do with the call of Elisha. Elijah calls him to be his successor. So it's about finding your vocation, finding your path in life. Well, when it comes to our livelihood, our work, our career, we put a huge premium on freedom and self-determination. You know, everyone should make up his or her own mind about the direction of his or her life. We would take that to be a fundamental right. No one should tell me what to do, how to live. I decide. Well, that might be our perspective. That might be our cultural take. It certainly is not the biblical perspective. Just before this scene, the Bible tells us how God ends the prophetic career of Elijah. Elijah had been called for a particular task. He performed it. And then God spoke to him. Elijah, choose Elisha as your successor. Now, just pretend that your boss has called you in and just says to you without consultation, without seeking your advice, without asking your permission, just tells you it's time for you to leave and someone else is taking over. Essentially, what God says to Elijah is, you're fired, and it's time to choose somebody else. He was chosen as a prophet, he was given a mission, and then he was unchosen. He served at God's pleasure. Now, watch how he calls Elisha, and that's what our reading is about. It's not the least bit clear, first of all, that Elijah and Elisha even know each other. Out of the blue comes this figure, and without discussion, without consultation, without seeking his advice or permission, Elijah simply puts his mantle, his cloak, over Elisha, and Elisha follows. Hmm. Choosing your path, deciding your career, that's not the biblical way. By the way, have you seen the movie Evan Almighty yet? It just came out and I happened to see it. And usually I don't mention movies on these broadcasts, but this one struck me because there is something of the biblical spirit in that film. This figure, he's a newly elected congressman, is chosen by God and given a task. Well, every ounce of his being is against it. And yet, God has his way. Evan has his career laid out for him, but it's not what God wants. And God gets his way. That's the biblical take. Now, get back to our story of Elisha. 
Look at the change he has to make in accepting this new vocation. Now, chances are we're going to miss the biblical code here because the language is so alien to us, the story is so old. But the author is telling us that Elisha is a very wealthy man. Listen. Elijah set out and came upon Elisha, son of Shaphat. As he was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, he was following the twelve. Well, that's a little code there. Following twelve yoke of oxen, that's a lot of animals. And he is using some sophisticated equipment. Well, only the upper crust of the upper crust of society of that time would have that many animals, would have uh, equipment of that sophistication. It's a bit like saying Elisha was in his Maserati or driving his Cadillac or was, was leaving his suburban mansion. It's a way of saying he was a very wealthy man. Well, what does he do when he hears the call from Elijah? Immediately, he slaughtered his animals and burned his equipment and with the fire cooked the animals and then gave the food to his people. Well, and we probably missed this, but this is the modern equivalent of giving away all his money, selling his business, and all his property. Now you imagine, you're a wealthy man. You have lots of property, you've got a big home, you've got people working for you, you've got lots of money. Suddenly, spur of the moment, you simply give it all away. Now, up and down the centuries, we can see moments like this, can't we? Elisha moments, when wealthy people just spontaneously, at the prompting of God, give it all away and follow the Lord. That wonderful account of St. Anthony of the desert, how he was called, wandered one day into church and he heard the gospel about selling everything, giving to the poor and following the Lord. Well, he did it. Though he was a wealthy man, he did it. Lived the rest of his life in the simplicity of the desert. Think of Francis of Assisi who was the son of a wealthy merchant. Francis gave it all away, including turning all his clothes over to his father and walking naked into the woods. Think of now closer to our own time, St. Catherine Drexel, heiress to a huge fortune, who at the prompting of God gave it all away. Okay. I know what you're thinking. I can't just do this. I can't just up and sell everything I've got. I, I can't just give away all my money and my property. I mean, I know, I know, it's not up to me. It's, it's God's call that matters, but I can't do this. Look, the Bible gives us, on purpose, dramatic examples. The saints provide for us dramatic examples which shake us out of our complacency and compel us to think differently about our lives. Look, I agree, not everyone's called to make this radical Elisha move. Now, some of you perhaps are. I'm not going to discount that. There are people today, I'm convinced of it, maybe listening right now to me, who are being called by God to this very radical choice. However, most people aren't. But, but, listen. Everybody is called to conversion. That means everyone's called to a radical rethinking 
and reconsideration of one's life. The story of Elisha is meant to grab you by the shoulders and shake you a little bit and make you think deeply about the meaning of your life. I've stated it this way in the past. Your life is not about you. It's your life, but it's not about you. Your career, it's yours, but it's not about you. It's about God and God's purposes. Your family, let me press a little bit here, your family is finally not about itself. It's about serving God's purposes. Everything you have, everything you are, is from God and therefore exists for God. Therefore, the questions to ask are the following. How can I use my life to give glory to God? How can my career become a vehicle for the propagation of the Gospel? How can I use my money and my property to serve those that God wants me to serve? Now again, I'm not saying everyone listening to me has got to give it all up like Elisha did. But, but, I would say this. All of us have to ask those hard questions. Now, Something very similar is on offer in the Gospel. And again, this is breathtaking, countercultural stuff. Various people, good people we assume, who want to follow Jesus, offer excuses for their delay. Lord, I'll follow you, I'll come, but first let me bury my father. Well, I mean, if you're looking for a good excuse, I can't imagine a better excuse. Suppose you're, you're being invited to something. And you say, well, yeah, I'd love to come, but, you know, my father died and I have to attend his funeral. Well, I mean, only a mad person would say, well, that's no excuse. That's the best excuse you could think of. But Jesus doesn't accede to this request. Listen, let the dead bury their dead. Now, don't, again, don't over-literalize this language as though God is opposed to your attending your father's funeral. This is Jesus' way of grabbing us by the shoulders, the same way the Elisha story does. It's Jesus' way of compelling us to name our priorities. And see, Christians, that's very important for all of us all the time. I mean, I sincerely doubt it'll ever come to a choice between attending your father's funeral and following the will of God. But... It is a salutary and helpful spiritual exercise to ask and force the question. If push came desperately to shove, whom do I serve? Who is most important? Is my life about even my family or is it finally about God? Is God first in your life or not. See what I mean about you've not been paying attention if these readings don't bother you. If they don't strike you as deeply counterintuitive. Now let me close with this from St. Paul. It's the second reading and it fits in beautifully with these other two readings. 
This kind of surrender to God's purpose is precisely what the Bible means by freedom. How strange. Does Elisha strike you as a free man? Elijah comes and puts his cloak on him and off he goes. Do these followers of Jesus strike you as free people? They can't even attend their father's funeral? But that's the whole point. Our sense of freedom is not gospel or Bible freedom. Bible freedom says, I must be free from attachments in order to be free for the will of God. Now do you see how this works? The Elisha story and the Gospel are both stories of freedom and finding freedom. What keeps you from doing God's will? Well, you're attached to your own career, your own projects, your own money, your property, even your family, all of which, by the way, are good things, but if you put them first, they become attachments and thereby restrict your freedom. What does Paul say? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I suggested before that could be a motto for the whole of Christianity. That could be a summary statement for the whole of Christian faith. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. But then Paul says, don't compromise and surrender your freedom to the works of the flesh. You see what he means? Your freedom is now for the purposes of God. Don't subordinate your freedom to your own plans, purposes, property, money, even family. Allow these questions, Christians, to sink deep into your soul this week. Who finally comes first? Who finally matters? May God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. Cardinal George says, It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 43 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries willing to help you during times of loss. Call 708-449-6100 for assistance. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.